All right. Well, tonight, um, there's something uh, a little bit different on my heart. Um, let's go ahead and turn over to Proverbs 18, 19. Proverbs 18, 19. Proverbs 18, 19. It says, A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city, and contentions are like bars of a castle. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a castle. In the New Living Translation, it says, An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Now, I don't think this just is referring or just applies to brothers. Could apply to sisters. Could apply to spouses, husbands, wives, mothers, fathers, sons, daughters. Uh, but we're going to get into a few more scriptures anyway. But a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city and contentions are like the bars of a castle. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation again. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. So uh, to take offense, some, some um, definitions of that are to give or to, to take hurt, to fall into misery, to become wretched. Uh, to offend is to trap or impede, to make to stumble or fall or entice into sin, to sin, to cause to judge another favor. Don't try to write these down unfavorably or unjustly. To cause or to create displeasure, resentment, or anger. To give offense or or to hurt, to insult. But to take offense, to be off, to be offended is to take hurt. It is. To be potentially angry about something, it's to be miffed. It's to be upset. It's to be touched somehow in a negative way by something that happens. And I just want to spend a few minutes tonight uh, on this. Colossians 3, 12. Let's go ahead and just put that up on the, the screen. Colossians 3, 12. It says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. Now, let's just stop right there. It says, therefore, as the elect of God. Who is elect of God? We are. As children of God, we're the elect. Now, we weren't chosen by God apart from other people. In other words, He chose us and He just kept other people from being born again. He knew that you and I would choose Him. He knows everything that's going to happen. So it's amazing the way God works. He knows what's going to happen. He doesn't cause everything to happen. Otherwise, you and I don't have a free will. Some people think God is in control of everything. That's simply not true. That's another sermon. But did God choose what you ate for dinner tonight? Just the answer to that question proves God's not in control of everything. You chose. But 
as the elect of God, as somebody who's been born again, holy and beloved, it says, put on tender mercies and kindness and humility and meekness and long-suffering. We're to put on these things. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. Offense, offense will rob you. Being offended will rob you. I want to focus tonight on some of the impact of being offended and of offense in general. It is a thief. And it is a, a tool of Satan to rob you of what God has for you. People are tempted, we, we all are tempted to get offended. And when we let that start changing our actions, we can be robbed of the good things that God has for us in the future or the good things that are right in front of us right now. You could have a great evening planned and with your family or going out with your spouse or with extended family that you haven't seen for a little bit and something was something said and somebody takes offense. They, in other words, they let that get to them. Maybe they say something instead of letting it go pretty soon. Now you have Maybe some word, more words spoken, things shut down, and what could have been great is not. It becomes cold, maybe people storm out, uh, and the evening that could have been great is ruined. This is an, uh, it's a tactic of the enemy. The enemy attempts to get us offended, and it is to get us out of the will of God, both particularly like you're going on a certain path and he's got good things for you. He attempts to try to get you offended, so you will miss it. And, he all, and also generally, what's in the word, what he has promised us, what he has for us, he will try to get you offended so you miss out on those blessings. He's promised them in his word. They're there. But this area of offense will try to get you to shut down, to back away from individuals, to back away from situations. And then we, what happens is we miss what God has for us. What he intended. We shut down in a certain area and he's wanting to flow through us and he's wanting to get us to go. But if, if we get offended, then we shut. I mean, when you're offended, you don't listen like you ought to. We don't hear God like we ought to. We're troubled on the interior. We're thinking of the other person. We're thinking of the situation. We're thinking of the organization and what they did and how they shouldn't have done that. And they ought to have said it this way. And if they were real Christians, all that is offense. And Satan knows how to push these buttons in people and try to get them just to get upset. Get mad, maybe even. And it causes us to miss God. 
Satan, we need to understand, Satan is the accuser. Revelation 12.10, don't, don't turn there, but let's put it up. You can write it down. Revelation 12.10. Revelations 12.10 says, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ have come, for the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Satan is the accuser. Everybody say accuser. accuser. What does an accuser do? He accuses. <laughs> he brings accusation. What does that mean? Points out something that's wrong. That's what an accuser does. You know, if you're bringing an accusation against somebody, you're saying, they did this. They broke the law here. They ran the red light. They committed, they, they stole, whatever. You're accusing. Well, Satan is the accuser. He's constantly bringing accusation, derogatory thoughts, comments, and against who? It says he's the accuser of our brethren. He will bring thoughts, uh, perception to you, about situations to try to get you to agree with him. The thing is, he's a liar. He's a known liar. Anything that is accusatory, that's always pointing the finger, and you didn't do this, and they should have done this, it's of the devil. Now, I'm not saying nobody ever does anything wrong. We know that's not true if we walked on the earth. We know that people fail, but what Satan will do is constantly just point out, and especially with other Christians, with your family, with your children, with your parents, with your spouse, with your employer, your teacher, but especially Christians, he is going to try to point out things, and one of the goals. Of course, he just sows strife and discord and tries to blow stuff up in general. But one thing he tries to do is separate people from the plan God has for them. And it is, we need to be aware of this in our own life. He tries to separate you, like I said, from the will of God. If God has something for you, Satan is going to do everything he can to separate you from enjoying the goodness and the blessing of God. And you could be going real good, real well, and be full of the Word. Full, you're ready to go. And you maybe just got out of a good sermon, good message, maybe good... Uh, series of meetings. You went to a convention or something. But then, you know, you get out and you're going pretty good. And then you get with somebody else and they say something. And you find yourself getting kind of ticked at them and irritated with this. And that building up, that, that what you had, you were ready, you're full of faith. You're not going to let anything run you over this time. You're not going to let go of it this time. 
and this stuff comes up and you're tempted, you're, you know, Satan will bring thoughts. Number one, he'll tempt you, try to get you offended, and then he'll tell you, why are you thinking that against them? And then this becomes a block. Well, you, you have this offense, you, you want to act on it, but then you know, yeah, but I'm believing, and, and it try, what's he trying to do? He's trying to get you to act, get you into condemnation, and get you separated from the blessing of God. If you act on it, now he's the one that tempted you and he's going to come back and take a sledgehammer and beat you over the head and tell you what a sad, sorry Christian you are. That's what he does. And he's the one that tempted you. And then you, you, if you yield to it, he's going to beat you up. That's why we need to know how he is and how he acts. But he will try to separate us from what God has for us. You see this over and over. Let's turn over to... Uh, well, let's go back to Genesis. Let's just turn over to Genesis 4. Genesis 4. This might not be a, a running, shouting sermon tonight. Might not make you want to run around. But this will... This will help us if we'll act on it. This can save us from ending up in an alley when we should have been on the freeway. Genesis 4, verse 1. The Bible says not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. Genesis 4, verse 1. says, Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, at, and this, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. Now stop right there. You know, evidently, God had laid out some, some guidelines for what needed to happen here. If you look at all in the, the law and the sacrifices and everything, they, when they, they were sacrificing, they... In this sense here, evidently, it was expected that this was um, something that was alive. The, the blood was being shed. Now, Cain was uh, a keeper of the ground, but that didn't... We don't know for sure what was exactly what was set up, but evidently, he wasn't doing what he knew to do. And God knew it, and Cain knew it. It says, And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So, right there, you can see Cain is mad. And he's not just sort of mad. He's angry, his countenance fell. He's like... 
He's frustrated at who? God. Is God wrong? Did God do something wrong? Does God ever do something wrong? But this is pretty common. People will get mad at God. And they have help in getting mad at God. Satan is constantly trying to get people mad at God and to separate people from God. Satan will tempt people and he'll come in and cause disruption and get them to be off and then tell them it was God. He does this over and over. Right from the beginning. Verse 6, So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. The, the, the Lord here, God, tells him. He warns him. He says, why are you mad? If you, do, if you do well, will you not be accepted? So if you do the right thing, you're going to be accepted. But if you don't do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. He's telling them, you got to watch what you're doing here. He's mad. He's offended. He's ticked. And God tells him straight up, you better watch it because you're about to step in it. Now, you should overcome this. You should rule over it. This should not overtake you. God warns him. But why? What is Cain is, is offended. He's mad and he's about to be stolen from. He's about to step in it big time. Verse 8, now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I, don't, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Now look, the, look, at how, look at the position he's in. He's talking to the Almighty. Look at how he answered him. The Lord said, where is, your, where is Abel your brother? Now, God's not asking him because he doesn't know. He's asking him because he wants to hear him say. And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? He's like, he just flat out lied to God. Bullface. Just, I don't know. What? Am I supposed to watch out for the guy? Just, you can hear it in the way he said it. It's, it's mad. It's disgusted. It's arrogant. Why? Because he's mad. And he got so mad, he killed his brother. And now he's talking to God and being arrogant with God. In verse 10, and he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. God knew, of course, what happened. But he, and then it goes on, we're not going to go into it. He was separated. And he had a mark put on him. You know, if somebody found him, that, that, uh, he wouldn't, they wouldn't kill him. But he, his life, he had a brother, he had a family, he had fellowship. 
And God told him, you can rule over this. You don't have to go down this way. It doesn't have to be bad with you. You can rule over it. You can choose right. He told an old covenant person right at the beginning, he was offended, he was mad, and God told him, it doesn't have to be this way. If you'll change, if you'll do what you need to do, it can be good. Or he can be the first murderer and be separated from humanity. And that's what he chose. But look how he got there. He was not forced. And the devil will tell us, you have no choice. If somebody did that, you, he will try to drive you with emotion. Gets you so mad, gets you start stir, being stirred up, gets you to act. When you start feeling like you just, you're going to act, that's the time you need to shut it down and walk away. Before you do something dumb, I'm not talking about this level of dumb, but, so, but guys, when you hear people, you, you do hear just this exact same thing. And I'm not talking about murder here per se. This is the extreme. But you hear people say, I don't know what happened to them, what came over them. They snapped. They listened to something. That's the extreme. But there are a lot of area in between where the same root, the same um, motivation comes to everybody of being offended and the result is different degrees of cutting something off or losing or destroying something. God's will is not that for us, is, is, is not for those things to happen to us. God's will is for us to lord over it and to deal with it and to walk with him and to uh, uh, walk in all his blessing. Let's look at a, another place, Mark 6, verse 1. Mark 6, verse 1. Mark 6, verse 1 says, Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished. Where did this man, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Now listen, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary? And brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? So they were what? Offended at him. They were offended at him. I'm going to keep reading, I'll come back. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Notice that. Jesus was Jesus. But the people that knew him the closest were the ones that had the hardest time. It says, now he could do no mighty work there. He could do no mighty work there. He couldn't do. He could do no mighty work there. Why? Because they were like, they were offended at him. So what did that do? It stopped the blessing of God. It stopped the flow of God here. 
Now he could do no mighty work there except he laid his hands on a few sick folk or sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. But I want to go back to verse 3. Is this not the carpenter, son of Mary? Goes forth and says, so they were offended at him. They're saying, who is he? Why is he doing, how is he able to do this? But they're, they're, they're mad. But notice, that separated them from what God had for them. And, you know, it's not a stretch to say some of them didn't listen to him. It doesn't say that, but some of, they were at least, they weren't, list, they weren't definitely in unbelief. But I would, it's not a stretch to think some of them didn't listen and walked away. Offense will try to get you into the position that you separate yourself for, to, uh, from what God has joined you to. It will. Whether it is a family member, whether it is your extended family, whether it is a friendship, whether it is a ministry, you know, uh, a certain area that I, I've seen this, you know, you, you, you see it over in just in general in the body of Christ where people will follow a ministry, you know, because the, our, our culture, our society is pretty fickle. And unfortunately, it's in the church world, in Christianity. And so... They'll follow a certain ministry, and that ministry is a blessing to them for years. But, you know, some new wave will come where something else is being promoted and people are jumping ship. I mean, I'm not that old, but I've been around to see a number of, of waves like that where, where, where you know, uh, something else, some other ministry or something starts coming to the forefront. And people will become offended sometimes with the people that have been there and that they've gotten a lot from, and then they jump. And a lot of times, you know, they think, oh, somebody doesn't have a revelation, or I don't like the way they're doing this thing now. It doesn't matter the reason. Satan's the same. If God joined us to something, we're not supposed to unjoin. See, some people, many people will be led into a situation by the Spirit of God, but they'll be led out by offense. A job? How many people have quit a job because they were mad at their boss or mad at the situation? That's a rhetorical question. I mean, I think we all know a people. It's tempting. If you've ever been an employee, we all... Uh, anybody that's been an employee deals with, you are by definition going to put yourself, rank yourself under somebody else. You are not calling the shots. By definition, you are working for somebody else. And it is very tempting to think you know more than your employer. It's funny how the people at the top never know anything, and it's the people that are at the, the entry-level positions or, you know, not the low level, but the, the, the first layer in the organization always think they know more. And somehow these, 
you know, nitwits just get promoted. I'm not saying there aren't bad decisions made. I'm just saying, if you listen to some people, there's nobody above the first tier in the organization that knows anything, ever. Can that be possible? I don't think it's, I don't think it's as widespread as people would think it is. And you begin to know this when you move up in the organization and realize it's not the way it looks from the first level. And it's not always cut and dried, and it's not easy. And if you know what it looks like, you can tend, I know how this is going to happen, but you know you can't say certain things. And... But it's easy to get offended. And how many people have gotten mad or fed up, and they say, I'm not going to take this anymore. People have thrown down their papers or thrown down their tools or whatever and say, I'm walking. Okay, good. What are you going to do after that? I'm going to show them. Okay, show them what? You're going to be out the door and then what? What? You're going to go home, you're going to cool off, and then maybe it was a job God led you to. Got led in by the Spirit of God, but left because they were offended. Detached from the blessing of God. That has happened many times. Just if we took all of humanity. Christian, non-Christian, but we're talking about Christians. As Christians, just know we are going to be tempted to be offended and tempted to get out of the will of God. Satan, if you're in the will of God, if you're in line for a blessing, he is going to try to push you to get out of it. And one of the ways he does this is by trying to get you offended, mad. I don't like that. I don't like the way they did that. I don't think they know any better. I think they're stupid. If they keep making stupid decisions like this, I'll tell you what, I'm out of here. Wait a minute. What did we just say? If they make decisions like that, I'm out of here. Is that the same as, if God leads me to a different job, then I'll go? It's not the same thing. What if they just keep making the decisions and God said you're supposed to stay? Do you still go? Because, well, after all, I'm, I, they, they shouldn't do that. Is that the same as God led you out? Is it? Do, are we led by people making decisions or are we led by the Spirit of God? You could say the same thing for a marriage. You could say the same thing for uh, brothers, sisters, uh, siblings. You could say the same thing for uh, father, mother, daughter. Things where, well, I, I don't even want to talk to my parents again. I don't ever want to talk to people I've got mad. Just say, forget it. I don't want to talk to my son or daughter. Wait a minute. But it's, it's this divisive thing that, Satan will try to come and get you offended and separate. And it's, it's, again, we know Satan's a thief. And he cannot leave. He's not going to just leave a situation that's being blessed by God alone. He tries to get in there and blow it up. But we're not ignorant of his devices. Again, this may not be the... the, the um, the sermon where you get up and jump up and run around the room. But this is an arming sermon. And this is potentially arming you for the future, but also maybe looking back on certain things so that we don't do the same thing again. Because, you know, maybe 
at one point, you did do exactly that. You know you yielded. You made the wrong decision. Well, thank God there's cleansing by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he, his mercies are new every morning. And even if you missed it, he can bring you up and he can bring you forward. Thank God for the blood of Jesus and thank God for the covenant we have. But we don't have to keep repeating the same thing. God came to Cain and said, this does not have to destroy you, essentially. That's my paraphrase, but you don't have to miss it. He didn't tell Cain what was happening, but he said, sin is crouching at the door. Sin, you're about to be taken out, pal, but you don't have to let it take you out. You, and I'm just you know, paraphrasing, you better stop, get yourself together, and make a good decision. And guys, sometimes that's all it takes. We need to just stop. When we find ourselves getting offended, we need to take a step back and just go before God. You know, sometimes when we're offended, it tries to separate us from God, like somehow God's over here, but now we're dealing with the situation and almost kind of shelve Him. But if we'll get Him back to where God, what do you think about it? Bring Him right back in the center. What do you think I should be doing? See, now we bring the light of the Word. The Spirit of God has a chance to speak to us. Maybe the problem is not so much with them, but the problem is with us and how we're looking at it. Now, we don't want to hear that. Your flesh definitely does not want to hear that. Your flesh does not jump up and down when, when, when you find out something is your problem. If you're not careful, that'll make you more irritated. But was it Cain's problem or was it God's problem or Abel's problem in that incident? It was Cain's problem. What was going to remedy the situation? Cain changing. Cain saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, God Almighty is telling me I better cool my jets. What should I do? I better stop. I better say, wait a minute. I'm not going to go down this path. And as us in the New Covenant, in the New Testament here, we have been warned and shown that we can walk without losing it, without letting offense pull us out of what God has put us in. Let me read you one more scripture and we'll close. Uh, we'll just put this up on the screen. Ephesians 4.25. Ephesians 4.25. It says, Be angry and do not sin. See, some people have the misconception that as a Christian you should never be angry. That's not true. Ang angry, being angry is not a sin. You can feel, because of a certain situation, you can feel angry. The anger is not wrong. It's how we deal with angry, being angry. Jesus was angry, but he never sinned. If you feel like you can't get angry, then you'll, you'll not approach situations, right? You'll think, you'll try to suppress it and be like, well, I know I'm supposed to be okay in this situation. You're supposed to be okay. That doesn't mean you don't feel angry. You may be angry, but then you control it and you deal with the situation correctly. That's a whole lot different than being angry and blowing up and berating everybody around you. That's not right. But being angry, there may be a situation you're justified in being angry, and it demands a response, but it's a godly response, and that doesn't mean being walked over. Christianity is not about being the doormat. If you're walking as a strong Christian, there's times you're going to have to confront, you're going to have to deal with the situation. You may be angry about it, that doesn't mean you have to you know, bury somebody with your words either. Let's just read through this and we'll close. Be angry and do not sin, but do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor, what? Give place to the devil. Look at that. 
See, you can feel angry, you can have anger, but it's whether you give place to the devil in your anger. See, he wants to use anger and drive you with it and drive you to do something that you shouldn't do, drive you to separate, drive you in the worst, the, the, one of the worst situations we see Cain being driven to murder. This is what people do in the extreme sense. But it, there's all kinds of places in between where Satan wants to drive you to make a bad decision, drive you through anger to get you disconnected, to destroy a relationship. Do you realize you can have a relationship for years and it'd be good, and you can let your mouth go and blow it up in a matter of minutes? Now, these aren't things that we should take condemnation from this evening. These are things we should say, be armed. Be ready and be instructed. Verse 28, uh, let's skip down actually to, um, well, let's read verse 28. Let him who stole steal no longer, but let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all mouths, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So notice it's, you know, uh, verse 26 starts out saying, be angry, do not sin. You get into some other things later. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, anger in the sense that you would go off on it, use it wrong, like what we were just talking about, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. This shows us how, instead of letting offense dictate, offense rule, that we are supposed to channel it, change it, and react. And this, these things we just read, these are the things that will keep us on track. Where something could have blown up, could have messed up a situation, could have disconnected, it was averted. Where this landmine was, Satan was pushing, trying to get, we reacted in a gut. See, this is why the, God, the Word of God will always lead us in the right way. We, re, we deal with something, but we go right around it because we just let the Spirit of God work through us. We let the Spirit of God flow through us. We take our emotions out of the situation. And this trap that Satan had for us, we go right around it and we keep going. And where this could have taken us way over here, we just went right around it. And God gets the glory, and we stay on the track of blessing that He has for us. Praise God.